Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I really, really suck at goodbyes, which is a shame because you won't be able to get the unintentional comedy of hearing me stumble through one here. Uh, not only am I in the hockey PDO cast not going anywhere, but we're officially now getting back to our regular scheduled programming for the 2017-18 season. Apologies for taking some time off and going off the grid there, uh, which evidently caused some consternation about the status of the show and what I was up to. Um, I can't really get into the minutia of it, but all you really need to know is that I'm back with Sportsnet for another year now, which means the PDO cast is here to stay. Uh, hopefully this marathon show we have coming up here with PDO cast first ballot hall of famer Jonathan Willis will serve as a bit of an olive branch in helping make up for the past couple weeks worth of shows we missed as well all the other great preview content we've got planned between now and October 4th uh, I guarantee that um, between now and then you're gonna you're gonna get sick and tired on me with all the uh, with all the podcasts and articles and, and videos and hopefully TV we've got going on uh, trust me as much as you miss listening to this thing I miss recording it just as much myself uh, I've been binging on Peaky Blinders and how did this get made for the past few weeks and it's been fun but suffice it to say I've been getting a bit stir crazy waiting for the go ahead to get back to work uh, so what can you do to help out to make sure that uh, this never happens again you can go rate and review the show on iTunes and leave us five stars and a positive comment uh, and you can also keep downloading and listening and sharing with uh with all your friends and family, seeing the number of passionate fans of the show clamoring for new episodes during the break was really cool and rewarding, as was the slightly unhinged Reddit thread that I saw speculating about where I disappeared to. Anyways, I've kept you all waiting long enough for a new show, so let's just do this thing already. Producer Matt, hit the music. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDO cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO cast. My name is Dimitri Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy, Jonathan Willis. Jonathan, what's going on, man? Hey, Dimitri. You know, it's always fun to be here. Oh, man. Is it fun to be here? It's, uh, we're, you know what? Let's, let's give the listeners a, a, a little kind of a behind the scenes peek here. So this is our, uh, our second try recording this intro. And not only, and I can't even count how many times we've tried to do this episode over the past month or so, but, uh, various life events have gotten in the way and precluded us from doing so. But we are finally here. We're recording. And, uh, hopefully I'm not speaking too soon and putting my foot in my mouth, but I hope there won't be any hiccups and we're going to have a, a fun show here. 
Yeah, it's it's been it's been very interesting because as as your listeners will know, you're you're extremely professional. You and I just you know bang these out. You you've been just hammering out podcasts with everybody all summer. It seems like, and, mm. and this this episode, I, I think it's cursed, Dimitri. Yeah, yeah, it's it's seeming that way. But you know what? We're gonna get over the hump here, and we're gonna make this work. And um, so the plan for today's show, um, I did give you some homework to to, to prepare for this, and. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the 31 NHL teams. Um, have you have you gotten used to saying 31 when you list it like that and not sticking to 30? Or is it like that thing no. where it's like it, every time in the new year, I'm, I'm still writing the, the previous year for the like first three weeks of that year or so, something like that? Not a word of a lie. When I did this list, I only did 30 teams mm. because I forgot Vegas was in the league. wasn't in was in the league but uh, they're they're there now yeah i i it, but i had to i had to find it catch it on the second read through mm, yeah it's gonna take some getting used to um so we're gonna we're gonna go through the 31 teams and we are going to essentially kind of basically if we, if we could inherit right now any nhl team's roster um as i assume the gm or the person running here or, or, or whatever definition you want to give it uh which ones we'd pick and we're going to go from uh, i guess least favorable and we're going to count it down to the one we'd want to take over the most and uh we'll see how it goes i'm sure that you know at least uh in terms of the least favorable teams we're probably going to have quite a bit of agreement because it seems like there's a, a handful that stick out from the rest but i'm sure in that middle tier there's going to be a, a bunch of sort of disagreement and back and forth and it'll be fun to see where we differ and where we both agree yeah absolutely um okay so in terms of the worst rosters right now um and and it's okay so actually before we get into it let's go through some methodology here because the way I approach this was I'm looking at the active roster right now and I'm also kind of considering, um, you know, where neither of you or I are, are big time prospect guys by any means. So I'm not necessarily evaluating the, the farm system as a whole, but I'm looking at sort of the top tier prospects that have maybe been drafted high in the draft the past few years or, or guys that have really risen or fallen. And I'm taking that into account. And I'm also maybe taking into account like the coaching staff as well, but that's obviously, um, you know, very, a very fluid situation for most teams. So it's mostly going to be the players that are in place and the contracts and sort of how much financial flexibility or room to operate you'd have if you were taking over that team on this date. Yeah, absolutely. When I, uh, when I looked at it, the, I had two factors in mind. Well, really one factor, which was, you know, can I win a Stanley Cup with this roster? And if not now, can I do it in the future? Mm-hmm. So what I looked for was, I, I imagined myself as a GM and said, okay, over the next 10 years, which of these teams is going to give me the best chance at collecting the most championships? And uh, so I, I placed a high premium on elite talent, whether that's on the roster or in the system. And um, yeah, that, that was that was my sorting so this is going to be uh let's let's kick it off here uh with 31 um is it gonna be uh the aforementioned vegas golden knights who aren't off to a good start in this podcast considering you you just admitted that you didn't even remember they're in the league um or is it gonna be uh someone else because I i think you could go either way you know you can make the argument for vegas that there is this um I don't know, sort of honeymoon period here. And, and they do have a, a bit of flexibility, especially in terms of uh, draft capital. Uh, they, had, they had three first-round picks in their, in their inaugural draft and, and a bunch of other depth picks as well. And they're going to have more picks in, 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 in line for them in the coming years. So that's a positive. But uh, obviously, the roster itself is going to be, uh, if your definition of trying to win a cup pretty soon, it's obviously a ways away from that. So that, that definitely pushes them down this list. Yeah, I think it has to be Vegas. There are a couple of other teams on this list that make it competitive, mm. 
but um, when I look at Vegas, I just think you're, you're in for a five-year process, like minimum, right? Right. And those other teams, if I were starting a five-year process today, even with the revamped expansion draft, and I'm trying to build a cup contender, I, I think there are teams out there that have... I, I don't think there's another team out there that I would take... Uh, lower than Vegas, just because Vegas doesn't have all those prospects percolating in the system already. Mm-hmm. Like to me, there's value in having a 19 or 20 or 21 year old, even if you've only got one or two that are going to be really high end guys. Right. Um, there's a lot of value in that, and Vegas just hasn't had a time to uh, accrue those assets yet. Yeah, that's true. And I, I guess the disappointing thing for me, from my perspective, is that it, you know, they didn't necessarily need to be 31 on this list. Like obviously their ceiling as a franchise at right out of the gate is capped because of, of that starting point you alluded to. But I feel like if they had, you know, a, approached their expansion draft in a different manner and maybe, you know, taken some more assets that either had higher upside or, or were more easily flippable in, in trades to come, I'd be more excited on them and, you know, that's that's relatively speaking like they probably would have been 29th or 28th on this list at best but the fact that they especially on the blue line settled for some of these assets which i guess they deemed sort of safe and conservative um really makes it tough to argue that they should be higher on this list than 31st yeah they they did some things i liked i liked how they handled florida i like that they got shea theodore but uh yeah it's it's not a it's a team that you know you kind of look at their expansion approach and and this policy of accumulating expensive defensemen and it kind of looks like they've burned cap space and they're not going to get any kind of asset return for it yeah especially when when we were doing all those mock drafts before that expansion draft uh i think everyone was like oh well you know their goaltending on the defense is going to be actually very solid right out of the gate and might might be high up there amongst their competitors and it really isn't so it's uh it's going to be it's going to be tough out of the gate for them but um I guess they do have that honeymoon period, and and for their fans, they're gonna that's gonna buy them some some wiggle room. So uh, they have that to look forward to. Um, so thirty. Let's go through the teams now that uh, that are firmly entrenched and have had a few years to build up their stock, and obviously have failed to do so. Considering we're going to be discussing this early in the podcast, um, who did you have here at, at thirty after Vegas? I'm, I'm interested to see if you agree. It's it's got to be Detroit, doesn't it? Well, there's two teams here that I think are interchangeable. Um, but yes, Detroit, just based on, like, if you were taking over that team right now, uh, there's a bunch of players you'd like to get off of the roster. The problem is, yes. is that because of their contracts, the, you know, Ken Holland has sort of dug, uh, his, his, the person that's going to be taking over for him, uh, a, a bit of a grave here where they're going to be, have a really tough time getting out of it. And it seems like their best bet is just biting the bullet and, hanging tight for a few years and letting those contracts come off the books before really actually seriously considering uh, what their team is going to look like the next time they're ready to compete. Yep, I, I completely agree. And, and the other thing I would add is I'm not sold that any of their young cornerstone guys are actually cornerstone guys. Um, Dylan Lark and Anthony Mantha, very good players, but I, I, I don't know. I think they're more supporting pieces on a on a contender, even, even if they uh, have really good development arcs going forward. Yeah, it truly is jarring how, um, you know, how negative our outlook is for this team heading into 2017 18, considering, uh, you know, the age of their players and the contracts they have on the books, where it's, you know, there's certain teams in the league, um, where you can justify them not being ready to compete right now because they're going with a youth movement or, you know, they've really reset. But it seems like, uh, Detroit here is, um, 
you know, even based on their comments, it seems like they're not ready to kind of look in the mirror and take a critical look and, and admit where they are as a franchise in their current state. Instead, they're going to, you know, keep trying to kind of power ahead with this current, currently constructed roster. And it seems like that's not going to take them very far because it, there just isn't that driving talent that we've seen time and time again you need in this league to, to compete as a team. Yeah, that's that's really why I penalize them so steeply is they're not in a position to win the cup with the current core and they haven't even begun amassing the next core really. So they're they're so far back that and and I think you could make a case that that they may be even lower than Vegas, but you know, I give them a nod because they do have some young talent there. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. Um so the team that I mentioned that I think is interchangeable with Detroit here are the Vancouver Canucks, um who have actually, you know, made some positive strides over the past six months or so basically right before the trade line they made a few nice trades where they flipped rental pieces for future assets and i think their summer as a whole um you know each move makes sense because they had money to spend and they they spend it on guys who are actual nhl players who will help make their team more relevant in the short term and also potentially be assets that can be flipped at the trade deadlines in years to come. But at the same time, when you look at it as a whole, um, it, it just, you know, they're, they're, they're similar to Detroit in that they're not really going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. I, I like their summer and I, I think I, if I had to pick between the two, I prefer Vancouver's pool of young prospects and players. Um, I really like Bohorvat. I, I, and they've got a bunch of guys, you know, Ali Olevi, uh, Brock Bozer, uh, their last uh, draft, Elias Pettersson. That's a good group. I, I don't think Jim Benning makes it through this rebuild cycle. I, I just mm. can't imagine that happening um, because it, it it's a work of a few years and they're going to be further bogged down by, you know, contracts like the one that goes to Louis Erickson like that. I, yeah. they, they, they've, they made the switch this summer to doing what they needed to do, like, I, I like the course that they've they've ab- abruptly put themselves on, but they needed to do it two years ago. Yeah, it's it's tough, especially when you remember how um, how well set up this team was as recently as you know five years ago or so. And I'll, and I guess now they're sort of paying for for some of those moves they made and some of those contracts they signed. And it's the kind of the life cycle of of your NHL team in this cap system where you go for it and you hope you get it because the flags do fly forever. But if you don't, you don't all of a sudden have much to show for it, and you're kind of you you set your franchise back a few years. Yeah, that's just it. And uh, whoever inherits it is going to inherit, you know, like the Roberto Luongo cap liability. And 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 when I look at that, that to me, I'm I'm fine with it. You know, like you 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 took your shot at a cup, and uh, he was a key player, and now you now you have to pay, and that's just the NHL cycle. Mm. So if you're an NHL, if you were running the Canucks right now, let's say you, uh, you know, you got the thirtieth pick or uh, the twenty ninth pick, I guess now uh, of of inheriting your franchise of choice, and it was the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, what would you try to do this season? Because obviously, the big elephant in the room here is the fact that the Sedins are um, have expiring contracts, and it, there's this dilemma where it's like, do you just you know, acknowledge that they're obviously not worth the money they're making and uh, you're not sure if they're going to be back, but you have to just let them ride out their career here because of what they've meant to the franchise and, and how long they've been here and, and all that. Or do you try to kind of look, look hard at moving them and acknowledging that it might be tough to do so considering they're each $7 million cap hits and you can't retain any salary because of past moves you've made? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm really cold-blooded about this stuff, mm. so... I, I am a believer in maximizing it 
maximizing the return if he possibly can. I, I think the problem is that where the Sedins are in their career, you'd have to have buy-in from them, and, and that doesn't seem to be in the offing. Like, if, if you're another NHL GM trying to make a deal with Vancouver for the Sedins, I don't know that, like, they're not the impact players they were. I don't know that you want them if they're not committed to, to, um, to the move itself. Mm-hmm. Like, if they'd rather just stay in Vancouver and, and play out the last few years, then... I wouldn't want to trade for them, really. Right. So I, I'd like to deal them as Vancouver's GM, but I, I don't know if it's a realistic possibility. Yeah, and what you get the back, get back at this point, and whether the yeah, know, obviously get recouping some sort of assets are back uh, is back or valuable, but at the same time, uh, there is that sentimental value that I'm sure that their current uh, management group has to consider that they can't just approach it from that cold water of a perspective. Um. Okay, so did we? Did you have Vancouver after Detroit as as the twenty nine team, or did you have someone else? I I did. There are, there's one, maybe two other teams I could have made a case for, but Vancouver and Detroit were always twenty nine and thirty on my list. Mm, okay, we'll make the case for those for those two teams that. <laughs> well, I have Colorado twenty eighth, mm. which I'm I'm curious if you agree because they do have some really good young players, but the current roster is just such a disaster. Like I'd, if, if it's about placing this season, I don't know that I'd rather have Colorado's roster than, than Vancouver's or Detroit's. Um, and, and the only thing that puts them ahead of those teams is the fact that they do have some really good young players that they, uh, in the system but i i don't i don't think it's a good enough core to to win with they've got a lot of work to do and um it, it reminds me a ton of edmonton like three years ago yeah and it's it, it, the tough thing for them is that they have had a few years here where they've been picking high in the draft and you know um i love nathan mckinnon still and i think that he could be a cornerstone player obviously he's going to need a lot of help but other than that, I mean, you know, they've, they've got some nice pieces. Uh, I took a lot of flack for when I did my redraft with Garrett Hole recently. We uh, we were down on Miko Ranton in a bit, or at least people thought we were, and I think they kind of missed what we were saying. I I, I, I like him fine as a prospect, and he seems to be developing nicely, uh, but he's not necessarily the type of guy that is going to, you know, rally. You're going to rally your franchise around and build around. Um, he seems like a bit more of a complimentary piece, and the blue line i mean wow i'm looking at i'm looking on cap friendly right now and like i know that you know there's going to be guys that come up and maybe an, an andre marinov is probably uh, likely to be on the team as opposed to what his current you know layout is of his contract on on this website but as of right now they have four nhl defensemen listed on their depth chart which is uh not the best spot to be in considering preseason's already started and we're about two weeks away from the regular season uh, getting getting going yeah um i you can make a case that Colorado's doing, you know, what they should should do, which is play the kids and throw them into the fire. But I'm I'm a big believer in the what I'll call the Toronto model for all our Toronto listeners, mm. um, and and that means you know plugging in guys who can buy these kids a little bit of time and who you can then flip for trade deadline assets and who keep your team from being a, a total embarrassment in the meantime. And Colorado doesn't have any of them. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate because I thought last summer actually, like I really liked their summer from that perspective because they brought in, um, you know, guys like uh, Patrick Weirkoch and and Eric Jelena and um, you know even they I think they had Joe Colburn on a two year deal maybe and 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 a, and a few guys like that and I thought well you know these are seem like you know smart low risk gambles for them to take that they could potentially trade and then all of those guys just fell so badly on their face and everything that possibly could have gone wrong last year in Colorado did obviously for them to have that historically bad season. And yeah, now it's, uh, it's they're They've got an uphill battle. Are you surprised that Matt Duchesne is still on this team? 
yes, I, I am surprised. Um, I was never, you know, one of the guys who was beating the trade Matt Duchesne Trump drum because mm. I, I think he's he's useful. He's still pretty young. He like, but um, just with as much smoke as there was regarding regarding that situation, you would think that at some point we'd have some fire, and we we just have not yet. Yes, yeah. I mean, he's he, listen. He's twenty six, and he has two years left at six million per season. So um, he's a perfectly fine player to have on your team even if you're not necessarily going to be going for it right now because it's not like he's expiring even this season so you have to try and recoup something immediately for him but at the same time you know there was that meme on uh during picture day where he just looked like he was being held hostage basically and really did not want to be there and some of his comments have been uh, understandably lukewarm about the situation and where he's at right now with the team so it's 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 just a tricky spot where it seems like they might have reached a point where it's hard to salvage that relationship. But at the same time, I'm, I'm with you where he's still a, a young and his prime player that is very effective and very fun to watch. And I wouldn't trade him for 50 cents on a dollar just for the sake of, you know, getting him out of there because that is not a good way to run your team. So if not, if they're not, um, we're not privy to what offers they've had and whether there's actual enticing deals that they've passed up. And so we, I guess we just have to work under the assumption that they haven't, you know, no, no team's been willing to pony up what Matthew Shane is worth at this point, And that's why he's still on this team. Yeah. If, if I'm Joe Sackick, I'd much rather have Matt Duchesne than be defending a bad trade. Mm. And, and if I'm Joe Sackick and I'm looking at the situation, I might be thinking to myself, you know, what happens at the trade deadline this year? Mm. Like you, you come to the trade deadline, Colorado, unlike Vancouver, has the ability to do retained salary transactions. Um, you've got Duchesne where you can offer him not just for a run for this year, but the, the all of next season under contract. So he's not really a rental, but you can kind of treat him like a rental. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can make a case that like if, if you're gambling as to when the market for Matt Duchesne is going to be the highest, if he has any kind of start to the season, you might get more for him in, in February than you would have, you know, in, in June or July. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, you know, I think that it's safe to say that at least for, you know, the Vancouver's and Detroit's of the world, which we've already listed, uh, we're not too keen on their current management group and the direction they're headed in with, with their brain trust. I think with this, with this Colorado Avalanche team, as weird as it is to say for a team that, has been under so much scrutiny the past few years and had that season they just had. Like, I still sort of like a lot of the thinking that they have in place. Like, obviously, they've made some uh, PDOcast-friendly hires by bringing in a guy like Eric Parnas to, to help help out with stuff. And, you know, at the, tra- at the trade line, they get a Sven Andrigetto for, for pretty much nothing. Um, you know, they take a chance on Neil Yakupov at under a million dollars for one season to see if they can potentially get something out of him even as unlikely as it may seem at this point you know they they basically just take on colin wilson because nashville wanted to clear that space i mean they've they've made some smart moves it's not like they're just making you know time and time again these dreadfully short-sighted disastrous moves that are really caving them in it's just that they haven't they, they just had seem like seemingly poor luck and things haven't seemed to just come together for them the way that you'd hope so hopefully they're able to turn that corner sometime here soon um yeah you can yeah I, I like some of the things they've done but you know when i when i look at the things they have done they kind of get lost between behind having you know four nhl defensemen on september 19th yes yeah yeah that's that's not ideal obviously um well hey I, if you count the uh the buyouts they're currently paying uh brad stewart and francois Beauchemin, they have six they have six <laughs> nhl defensemen on their books no it, it's still four dimitri <laughs> yes it's still four um okay so who is the, who is the other team other than colorado that you were thinking uh in that vancouver tier 
this this kills me to say it because I don't know if I believe it, but New Jersey. Mm. Yeah, I I like I, I think I think they're clearly a step above Colorado, but I think they're a step behind the next tier. Well, but I mean, listen, being twenty seventh on this list is not great by any means, but I think as recently as a year or two ago they had a strong argument for being thirtieth. In a, in a 30 team league, they weren't, there weren't even 31 teams at that point in time. So, I mean, at least it seems like they're on an upward trajectory as slow as it may seem. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Ray Shiro's done a good job since, since being put in charge, uh, you know, generally speaking. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously. And, and the Marcus Johansson trade was great. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, and that's the thing. We, you know, around July 1st, um, especially we get around to this every time where fans try to justify their teams making a signing by going, well, we had the cap space and, you know, you, cap space isn't gonna, isn't gonna play on your third or second line. You, you need to spend it some way. And, you know, that, and that's why we overpaid this, you know, menial player for, for some reason. And, and I always make the point of cap space actually is an asset because teams time and time again will get themselves into a bind and you want to be the one there to pounce and take advantage of that. And the Marcus Johansson trade was a fantastic example where they got a really, really good player for an exorbitantly, just like a, a ridiculously cheap price just because Washington had to make that trade and had no other choice. And that's a good spot to be in if you're not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I was actually I I wanted to get I wanted to be confident in New Jersey because I like a lot of what New Jersey's done, but uh, you know Travis Zajac getting hurt in August, it's hard to imagine them even having you know kind of a Cinderella run this season. Yeah, and um, I I really like Corey Schneider. I always have. He's coming off a bad year and he's thirty one and it, it. But they they were starting from kind of empty on the prospect pool side. And they do have some good pieces now, and I do think they're getting better. But it's it's still, you know, th- this is a team. The, the The problem with being Detroit is that you're just at the start of the process that New Jersey is now two or three years into. Right. And and New Jersey still has a long way to go. Yeah. No. It, it's uh. Yeah. It, it takes a while. It takes a while to to get back there. And you know, we just mentioned how Colorado has uh four NHL defensemen on their list. Um, the, New Jersey has more of them. But I'd argue that they don't even have four NHL defensemen right now on their on their roster. I mean, it's pretty tough beyond Andy Green uh, and and I love Damon Severson, who they recently locked up long term and did the right thing with. It's pretty tough. I mean, we'll see if if Will Butcher pans out and uh, lives up to the hype that so many uh, undraft uh, uh, college uh, college free agents uh, before him have failed to do so. But yeah, beyond that, it's uh, like Ben Jol- Ben Lovejoy, Dalton Prout. Uh, it's John it's, Moore. It, yeah, it's it's not ideal. I mean, they paid a weird price for Mirko Mueller. I know that he's a former first round pick and and had a certain po- prospect pedigree, but based on some of the other prices guys are going for, it felt like an overpay at the time so yeah it's um it's not great i I view the Corey schneider thing as like if i was inheriting this team i view that as a massive plus because i do still think that he's an asset that they could recoup some nice value for so while i don't think that Corey schneider is going to be on this new jersey devils team by the time they are ready to compete i think that what they get back for him very well could and and could be nice at least some nice complimentary pieces so at least they have that going for them along with you know the guys like taylor hall and recently drafted nico history and some of the other recent picks they've made in the past yeah and and you can make a case that you know if they're if they're two years away from being on a playoff run maybe schneider is there for the early like getting to the playoffs i should say not going on a deep run but but maybe schneider is there for the early stages yeah 
I think that's fair. Um, okay, so after New Jersey, we're getting into the top 25 here. Uh, well, actually, 26. Um, who who do you have in this next tier? Do you have a – is it one team that sticks out, or is it – do you have a couple of teams that are kind of lumped together? I, I don't – okay. When I when I did this, this, this was the pick I was dreading when I was going over this because the next 15, 16 teams to me, I don't think there's a big gap. I don't think there's one team that stands out from the pack. Um. I've 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 rearranged this list three or four times and and had ma- just massive swings. I I'd, I'd love for you to go first on the twenty fifth pick. Honestly, um, if, if you force me to, I will. But I'd love to hear who you have. Well, I can do that, but I, I should say that you know we're are, we're already twenty five minutes in here and we've handled yes. uh, the five uh, least desirable teams in our estimation in the league. So uh, at this pace, it's going to be a, a very <laughs> very long show. Um, so we should keep that in mind as well. So I'm cool with, uh, with tiering teams here or, or maybe tossing out a few names and then kind of seeing where the discussion takes us as opposed to, you know, dissecting each team one by one very closely at a microscopic level. Okay. Okay. So who, so, so can, can just, just throw a few, few of the names here. Where, what are the teams that are bugging you? Let, let's, let's talk this out. This is a, a bit of a therapy session as much as anything for you. The New York Islanders bother me. They're the team I have at the bottom of this tier, mm-hmm. and mostly it's because I do not like all their um, salary cap problems. I right. don't like Andrew Ladd. I don't like Johnny Boychuk. I don't like Cal Clutterbuck. I don't like Casey Sezikis. To me, they have a whole bunch of cap liabilities, and we don't know what's going to happen with John Tavares, and their young guys are not that impressive. To me. Yeah. Yeah, and the John Tavares thing is a massive uh, sticking point here because if you were inheriting this team, um, it'd be a pretty uh, precarious time to do so because you don't really know uh, if that decision has already been made internally or, or you know with John Tavares's camp whether he will be staying or whether he'll be going and what you could get for him in a trade and and it seems like there are at a bit of a crossroads here where um you know if things do work out here and Tavares stays all of a sudden you know they're i think they move up this list a bit because they're at least competitive right now i, I don't think this is a stanley cup roster uh by any means but there's teams that are worse off but yeah if, if Tavares is going to leave or if you're going to have to trade him and not get much back in return then all of a sudden things become pretty bleak because you're basically uh resetting the clock here and you don't have much to show for the past what six seven years uh of, of this Tavares era so it's a pretty tough spot to be in in that regard yeah I think there's a case that there could be a coaching bump here I'm, I'm not a fan of what Jack Capuano has been doing for several years now but um, I think just just the cap liabilities are are decisive for me. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, so so the Islanders, um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting here because we're getting into the point uh, on this list where you know the the first five, the first five teams we mentioned are pretty clearly uh, not going to be making any noise this season and have a ways to go. We're going to start getting into teams now where might they might actually be playoff teams this year or at least be very competitive, but because of their current contracts and and the way things are looking moving forward they might be getting pushed down this list right and the islanders are a prime example of that um who so 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 list some other names for me who do you have after the islanders boston it's in here yeah well when i was giving that description of uh of teams that are going to be competitive this year but are 
in tough financial straits moving forward. I, I was actually uh, dig- I, was, I was clicking on the Boston team page while I was saying that. So uh, I'm glad I'm glad you said it first. <laughs> yes, I, I like you that you have me out front here to draw your fire. And I, I, there's a lot of the problem is there's a lot of stuff I like about Boston's roster. Mm. Um, I, I like a lot of their young players, and I think they'd be in the, the Dougie Hamilton trade to me is is maybe the dumbest thing an NHL team has done in the last five years. It's um, it's incredible the difference between where Boston is versus where they might be if they had Hamilton anchoring the blue line. But right now they're they're putting so much weight on Sedano Chara and that cannot continue. And and due respect to you know Brandon Carlo and and to to a greater degree probably Charlie McAvoy. But I, I just don't see the internal replacement. Well, I mean when you list like the top ten dumb things NHL NHL teams have done over the past whatever five years or maybe even the past decade, like how many of those are Bruins centric? Because I, I I would say the the Tyler Sagan trade, especially considering they literally have nothing to show for it at this point, is uh is up there as well. I mean they do have that glorious YouTube video of their front office justifying why they're making the move. So I guess we have, we have, we have that, but the Bruins themselves don't have much to show for it anymore. Yep, this is uh, this was a they they haven't done a terrible job of adding talent to the system, um, despite some really um, goofy drafts. But uh, they're at the tail end of a of a cycle, and it's it's just hard to imagine them um, continuing as as like a high level team for a long period of time going forward. Yeah, it's tough having them so low down this list though, because the, it is. the top, the top of their roster is still so good. So it's like you don't you got to give that some credit. Um, yep. And finally, you know, they came to their senses and got David Pasternak on, under contract for a long term at a reasonable a good price. Deal yeah. Yeah. Very good. I mean, under 7 million and he's, uh, you know, even acknowledging the concerns about how good he might individually be just because of who he plays with. Like, it's pretty clear that he's a, an elite scoring talent and you have to pay for that in this league. And he's still 21 years old. So it's a, it's a no brainer from their perspective. It's crazy that it, it took as long as they did, but I guess, uh, all's well that ends well. So, um, and, and you know what, you've got the leverage. You can afford to wait with an RFA. Yep. That is, that is definitely true. Um, so yeah, we have the Bruins and the Islanders here. I, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Um, yeah, we're getting into a tough spot here where there's uh I feel like we could like list the next like 15 teams and you could basically just uh yep. flip them back and forth like I don't know like who do you who do you have next here? I mean, I feel like if we're discussing these teams like the Bruins and the Islanders, um do you have the Kings coming up soon? I do have them coming up soon. Um the, the next pick for me, there's there's two radically different kinds of teams that that are in contention for this pick and that's that's young teams with just terrible rosters in the here and now and and then that's old teams that are just coming to the end of the cycle and and I don't have Los Angeles quite here but they're only a few spots up. Okay, so who do you have here? Arizona. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's pretty good for them that. Uh, oh yeah, look at where they are compared to where they were two years ago. Yes, and I think this is a good time to talk about this because they obviously just recently made the we uh, made the Jason Demers trade, and you know, all of a sudden they have uh, not only an, an NHL blue line but an actual pretty good one. I mean, they've clearly made that a a a big you know point of emphasis. 
uh, for them to address over the past year or so. And, and, you know, now OEL has help in the form of Nicholas Jalmerson and Alex Goligoski and Jason Demers. And, you know, when Chick Chickren comes back from injury and they took that flyer on Adam Glendening, who could seem to be a, a useful third pairing guy. So all of a sudden that blue line's rounding out and we know that they have a ton of young forward talent that they have accrued through the draft process. So, you know, if, if they can get league average goaltending from Randy Ranta or even slightly above, they could be sneaky competitive next year. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to, you know, push one of those in, uh, entrenched teams in the Pacific Division out and all of a sudden make this long playoff run, but they're definitely not going to be the laughing stock of the league anymore. And there is a there's a case to be made that there's some certain value in that, especially for a team that's in the in the financial position that the Coyotes are in. Yeah, I, I love their summer. I love going out and getting Jalmerson. I love getting Demers. I love getting Derek Stepan. Um, these are and and to me, this is one of the things that you see with with the con the public conversation about rebuilds. It's conventional wisdom that you want to tear things to the ground. I don't think that's true. You don't want to be crazy, crazy good. Like um, you don't want to be crazy stocked with expensive veterans, but you do want to have NHL talent in your system the whole time because you otherwise you fall so far you can't get back up. Uh, Arizona's done a really good job of, of revamping that blue line, and um, you know even beyond the top four, like I don't mind Kevin Connaughton and Luke Shen as a third pairing, not not even a little bit. And and when Chikrin, you know, gets in there, that uh, that one of those guys will be on the bench, and and I'm not a big Glendening guy, but he's in the mix too. Yes. Um, yeah, they're 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 in good shape. I, I like them a lot. It's a shame that they're here. It's uh, a, a testament to to good management that they've climbed this high. But you know, at the end of the day, I look at them and I go, well, they're they're not there yet. They're getting there, but they're not there yet. This could still go sideways. Mm-hmm. So I, I bump them a little bit, and they and they don't have a chance of winning a cup this year. Yeah, but at the same, like it's it's one of those things where you know I'm normally definitely the guy that. Um, doesn't like to see teams half-ass the rebuild and just try to put yeah. a band-aid fix. And I, 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 I don't think this is it. Like it's, it, you know, a lot of these guys they have brought in are in the prime of their career right now, or, or somewhere around it. So it's not like they're bringing in all these just, you know, aging veterans that are going to be useless a year or two from now. Like it seems like when they are ready to actually be legitimately good, these guys are still going to be produ- productive for them, and and they are in that unique spot we mentioned where just getting a certain level of respectability means quite a bit for them so um it's tough to say anything other than you know positive things about what they've done this summer and where they're headed moving forward yeah absolutely um okay i think we have to put the kings at this point at, at 20 i have the I kings think, next i i can't i can't hold off any longer i've been <laughs> i've been considering them for a few spots now i honestly think you can make the argument that they should be below below the bruins uh i'd have them above the islanders i guess but man like if you're talking about you, the how long it's going to take this team to uh compete again for a stanley cup or you know if you were taking over this team how how few moves you'd have to make to get yourself into that position like it's the, the job dean lombardi left here uh for luke robitaille and rob blake is is not enviable because they have so much money tied up to guys who are on the wrong side of 30 or on the wrong side of their peak and I think they're going to be, you know, competitive and annoying to play against again, and they're going to be atop the league in terms of possession. But it's aside from bringing in Mike Camilleri for that ridiculous one-year, one million dollar deal, which they lucked into. It's it's tough to see how this team is going to be able to generate enough offense to get over that hump and and finally jet, turn some of that some of those shot attempts into goals. And if they can't do that, uh, as good as their top end of their roster is, I just it it seems like they're kind of stuck in the mud here a little bit as a franchise. 
Yeah, I, I wanted a more active summer from them than we got. I, I think they need – well, they, they've got a bunch of stuff that they need, and I don't see why you don't go for it now because, you know, the, the bulk of your roster is at an age where you're just not going to be competitive in the future and there's no getting out of that. I, I don't think I, – I don't see how you do it. Like maybe Ron Hextall could come in and, and move out three bad contracts and, and you could be okay, but um, it's going to be very tough and you might as well just, just go for it now. And they, they didn't do that to the extent that I'd wanted. Having said that, they, they climbed this high on my list just because I, I can't honestly say there's no chance they win a Stanley Cup next year. I don't think they will, but I, I can't say that it's, it's absolutely out of the question. I don't see where the offense comes from, but you, know, you make a couple of, of good moves and, and you're, you're kind of in the mix again, I think. Right. Well, that's the luxury that them and the Bruins have in terms of uh, the star talent they have up front, uh, at the top of their roster, I should say, where like that's the hard part. And then accumulating the complementary pieces around them is what's ultimately going to push you over the top. And that's easier said than done. But we've seen it time and time again, where maybe all of a sudden they... They fall into a, a you know a, a trade that works out for them, and they get a Jeff Carter when we didn't think they could, and all of a sudden they're uh, we have to readjust our expectations and our ceiling for them. I mean, listen, like the the, the Kopitar, Carter, Toffoli, uh, top of their roster up front, and then obviously Dowdy, Muzzin, and, Mar- and Martinez on on the blue line. Like that's a really good starting point for them. Man, there's also so many. Like, why are Trevor Lewis and Kyle Clifford locked up for the next three terms on this for the next three years on this team? Like, like stuff like that is just is is so puzzling to me. It's because, a lot because you win cups with fourth liners, Dimitri. That's how you win cups. Yeah, you got to reward those guys. Uh, you got to show Trevor Lewis how much he meant to your cup runs by giving him uh, long term deals. It's uh, it's the it's it's just the way it's the it's the way of the NHL. If we're gonna give Dean Lombardi a nickname, it probably should be loyalty contract. Dean loyalty contract Lombardi because he does so many things well as a GM and he just you know, he needed to be cold blooded here and, and the Kings could have kept contending for another five years and he 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 didn't. Yeah. I guess uh, it's not all negative because they did get to Foley and Pearson oh. under contract for very good deals. Yeah, absolutely absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know, they they did win Stanley Cups. Yes. <laughs> but they're paying for it now. Yes, yes, that's true. Um Okay, so we the Kings were twenty third on our list. Um, sure. The Sharks kind of have to move in lockstep with them, don't they? Yes, I like, but yes, but I think that uh, <laughs> I think there's a bit of a I think there's a bit of a gap there because I I like the Sharks more this season and I like the Sharks more moving forward as well. Um, it, it, I guess we should say that you know we'll. Maybe life after Joe Thornton will not be as 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 smooth of a transition, and we'll have to re, uh, re have this conversation again. But yeah, I don't know. I, I like the Sharks team more, at least heading into this season. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. Going into this year, I prefer them, but I I don't know what this team looks like post Joe Thornton. I mean, do re- <laughs> I I don't know what Joe Pavelski looks like post Joe Thornton. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't. Trust. I don't think Logan Couture is is the guy to uh, to to lead a Stanley Cup contender. And what about young thirty three year old Joe Pavelski? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, it's it's Logan's team now, Dimitri. Yes, it's that's Logan's true. team now. That's true. Uh, no, I, I love Brent Burns. I love Mark Edward Vlasic. Um, there's a lot of things I like about the roster, but I I don't realistically think they're going to win a cup. They're kind of in a very similar boat to the Kings, and. You know the long-term picture is pretty ugly. You got to get as much as you can out of this group because it's going to be bad. 
Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, well, I, I would say the the caveat is if I were taking over this team right now, I would trade Brent Burns immediately. So I guess that's that's not maybe realistic, but uh, yeah, that's I, I, I think I, that's what I would do if I that would be my first uh, order of business if I were taking over the San Jose Sharks, and obviously uh, that would cause some uh, some serious waves in NHL circles. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty tough to move a, a 32 year defenseman with a 32 year old defenseman with an eight year contract. Yeah, well, he did just win the Norris, though. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure someone could talk themselves into oh, it. Sure, I mean, we did sure, just sure. see Shea Weber get traded, so yeah. Um, but that 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 to me is an argument that you're kind of in favor of burning it down. Eh? But yeah, I, I think uh, I generally am. Right, <laughs> the future <Yeah. laughs> the, the future is much more promising. You got to retain that hope. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with having the Sharks here, although I, I, I think I like them more than well, most people do who, heading into this season. Who did you have? I'm, I'm at the point now where I do, I'm in that, you know, yeah, you can make a case cluster a where I have a bunch of teams. Um, yeah, I think the Sharks are fine here. Um, you know, a, a team I think we need to start discussing here soon that is very disappointing because uh, as recently as a year ago, we would have been much higher on them and they have a, a, a glut of young, interesting players. But for a variety of reasons, um, I think they wouldn't be a very favorable to team to, to take over right now. And that would be the uh, the Florida Panthers. Yep. They're... Oof. Yep. Because, I, I listen, I think for, and justifiably so, we've sort of tried to keep uh politics out of the discussion here and um you know financial matters because that stuff can change obviously and you have to work with what you've got but i mean the summer that they've had here just because of trying to shed money uh is is pretty pretty bad man and it's 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 tough to rationalize it and it's tough to look at it in any way other than disappointing because we were very high on this team and now there's much less reason to to be so even though they do still have a handful of very young players who are under 25 years old and i don't want to see those primes wasted because of this but they're definitely not moving in the right direction based on the recent moves they've made yeah they've done they've done some smart things too in in fairness to them uh like i think bringing rubidim verbata in was a a good low-cost bet um evgeny dadnov's a really interesting player to me i'm I'm glad he's in the league Mm -hmm. um so there's a few things you can point at, but I, I, to me, it goes back to the expansion draft. They did some terrible things at the expansion draft. I don't think any team handled it worse than Florida did. And they've, to me, they've just been shooting themselves in the foot. And uh, it, it feels like Dale Talon's coming in and it's, and just because there's such a disagreement in, in which direction they should go. To me, they committed to, to taking a certain course and they had to see it through. And because they didn't see it through, and they're trying to make this mid-course change, it's um, it's going to cost them. Is there going to be anything more annoying this season than if the Panthers start off the season on a PDO bender and win a bunch of games? Oh no, that that'll be fun. The nice thing about Florida is you you don't hear from a lot of Florida fans. <sighs> yeah, but the media is going to be just uh, unbearable. The, the media's the media's been pretty unbearable about Florida for for ages, and and and. I don't want to. I I just I don't understand where the 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 love for for Dale Talon's approach is. It's like Dale Talon had how long in Florida and did very little. Like he did assemble a, a good young core by being terrible forever. Right. And 
you know, then he brought in guys like Dave Ballin to put him over the top. Um, he thought their 2014, 2013, 2014, whichever year, he thought that run was for real, and it, when it obviously wasn't. Um, the, Florida's been badly managed for a while, and it looked like they were coming out of it. Now I don't think they are. But having said that, they still got some very good young players. Um, you know, you get Barkov and, and Huberto and I know Aaron Blad's contract's a little bit controversial, but I think most people are still very high on him. Um, this is a team I think you could do things with. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm just not convinced that they will. Yes, yeah, there isn't. Uh, they haven't inspired much confidence lately. And listen, uh, the next time someone tries to tell you that uh, we've gotten so much smarter as a hockey community and figured everything out, and uh, you can't dupe teams or, or with uh, with shooting percentage spikes anymore, uh, just look at look at the career of uh, one Riley Smith and uh, the years he has been moved by teams and the years uh, he's been rewarded with contracts. And uh, it's a pretty interesting tale that. Uh, teams might still not fully understand how shooting percentage works so uh it's a it's an interesting tale to uh to discuss another day um so we're getting into the top 20 here uh the the panthers were our 21st team um who should we discuss next jonathan i have ottawa and this was hard for me because i love eric carlson i absolutely believe he's a cornerstone defenseman for a stanley cup winning team but i just don't see much else on the roster yeah, and I guess it'll be a good test if he misses the start of the year to see what there really is behind him because uh well, he's it got could Cody CC. It could Shouldn't get pretty ugly. Yes, it's true. Uh yeah. It's uh man, that blue line. Uh Dion Fanoff, Cody CC, Mark Borietsky, Johnny Oduya, Chris Weidman, Freddie Clayson. And and the last two are actually intriguing uh youngish players. I guess Chris Weidman's twenty seven already at this point. But yeah, the uh Man, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty tough. They're gonna, you know, fortunately they have good goaltending, and I think Craig Anderson remains one of the most underrated goalies in the league. So it's quite possible that they'll stay afloat. But yeah, without Eric Carlson there, uh, it should be fascinating to see how competent they really are because it could make a it could make a, I think everything he did in the playoffs is one thing, but I think the start of this season could be like the the best sort of he's the most valuable player in the league case he could make if things really go off the rails without him. Well, and, and they're primed for it because Ottawa was just winning an insane number of one goal games last year. And yeah, it's going to be a, I, I'm, I'm not optimistic about the start of their year, but you know what? I, I thought they were going to fade late last season. So maybe somehow they, they hang on. I, I'm, I just, I don't see how they do it without Carlson. Yeah. Do you want to, um, is there anything we should say about uh, everything that's going on with Clark MacArthur? It, it, it's really crappy uh, as, as a fan of him as a player and obviously just of, of, humans in general like it's always really tough to see stories like that but the sort of uh the sketchy uh potentially even mal- malpractice you could call it involved in in playing him in those playoffs when it's people had their reservations and now we see the uh the effects of that it's it's pretty tough uh it's it's sort of every everyone that was being cynical at the time was uh was kind of pointing to that but it's 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 really annoying that it actually did wind up working out that way where we might not see him on an NHL ice and ice surface anymore yeah, it's a it's it's tragic hmm. yeah it is it's is very tragic um okay so we have Ottawa 20 um you know at least the good thing with Ottawa I will say I'm looking at their team right now aside from Bobby Ryan and I guess Dion Phaneuf who not a lot are, of bad are somehow both making north of seven million dollars for the next four seasons is which is insane um other than that yeah not a lot of bad contracts in fact uh you know 
Mike Hoffman on a great deal. Derek Broussard, two more years of five million. Um, they're going to have to pay Mark Stone and Kyle Turris uh, yes. after this season, which could change things. But I mean, they do have a lot of flexibility here, which is a good thing. And they do have a couple of top prospects that could conceivably make the team and also make an impact this season. So you got to account for that as well. So as much flack as we get for, you know, hating on Ottawa and, and then proving all of us wrong last season, like I, I'm I'm perfectly fine with this team. I'm not head over heels with all of them, but I'm kind of I guess a bit more lukewarm than anything. Yeah, but Carlson's going to be out, so <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we we think that Carlson's yeah, going to be back. He'll, he'll come yeah. back. Yeah. And, and look, Eric Carlson is is the kind of guy who warps um, the appearance of NHL franchises and everybody around him because he's just that good. I, I don't know where he ranks on an overall list of the NHL's best players, but it's certainly top five, and and probably that's a very conservative number. Um, that to me is is the primary value of this franchise. You take Carlson away, things are bad. You have Carlson there, you, you build a winner around him. Yeah, I mean, listen, we have Ottawa here at twenty, and yep. I think if you replace Eric Carlson with even like a a, a fourth defenseman, a, a decent guy, let's say like a Jason Demers or something, I think I'd have the Senators in that Canucks Red Wings tier. Uh, maybe yeah. slightly ahead of them, but they'd be down there in the bottom three or four. So uh, well, that, that's I love everything. Tourists, but other than that, yeah, I, of course, I, they're yeah. right in there with New Jersey. I, I think. Yeah, it'd be very bleak. So yeah, Carlson is uh, Carlson is very very good. Um, okay, so we're inside the top twenty now. Um, who do you who do you have coming up here? I, I think we're we're going to reach a bit of a gridlock here, where it's going to be just a yep. handful of teams, and we don't want to uh, we don't want to offend anyone because saying someone's nineteenth versus fourteenth sounds like a big disparity, but in reality, it's really not at all. I I love pretty much all the teams in this range. Um, I've got Calgary and Buffalo as my next two, and I, I keep trying to push them higher, and I just can't quite do it. I, I really like both teams. Yeah, well, Buffalo had a. You know they haven't done anything for uh, a handful of weeks now, so maybe uh, the recency bias uh, isn't in play, and and you know Arizona is getting a lot of love now. But I mean, Jason Botterill coming in in his first summer, um, I pretty much liked every single move they made, and it's sort of that Arizona thing where, especially on the blue line, it was just it was so bare bones and so putrid that just bringing in NHL players is going to have uh, an immense impact on this roster. You know, I'm not a, a huge Marco Scandella fan by any means, but just based on who he's replacing, uh, him and Nathan Boyu, um, it's it's such an upgrade that it you have to commend them for the summer they've had. Yeah, you do. And and they do have some very good young players. I mean, obviously, Jack Eichel makes... He's a, he's a phenomenal talent. I, I docked Buffalo in large part because they have a ton of ugly contracts. Um, Zach Bogosian, that's a terrible deal. Matt Molson, that's a terrible deal. And uh, Kyle Ocposo is one of those deals that's going to be good now. But if you're looking at sort of the competitive arc of this franchise and you look at the terms on Ocposo's deal, I'm really nervous about it two years out. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's a lot of stuff I don't like. Having said that, I'm I'm a huge fan of Ryan O'Reilly. Love him. Uh, he's still, it's, it's insane to say, but he's still, you know, his peak peak years um they've got a ton of good young players and they, they do seem to be moving in the right direction yeah no i agree with that i'm definitely a, a fan of what they have building there and we'll see uh we'll see where that takes in the season yeah calgary is interesting you mentioned because when i was putting this list together myself i i have them in this in this range i think i have them 15th on mine and if i feel like i like them more than that 
but then you just look at the other teams and it's, it was, it was really tough to, uh, to justify having them much higher, um, or, or, or just, you know, having someone to kick out of that group ahead of them to push them, push them up above them. So it's like, it's, it's really tough. Yeah. The argument I think against Calgary is just that they don't have a driver up front who I, I think is a, you know, a, well, a Jack Eichel like player, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I like Johnny Gaudreau. Um, I'm, and I go back and forth on Sean Monahan. I, I like some of the guys they have, but I they're going to win based on their blue line, and um, I, I just don't know if they have the firepower. Yeah, that blue line is pretty pretty damn good, though. Yes, yes, it is. Um, yeah, if you're if you're ranking the top the top blue lines in the league, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Anaheim and Nashville are always uh, on the top of that discussion. I guess. Like you have to start considering the Flames up there as well, right? I mean, would would you put them ahead of either of those two, or do you think it's sort of just like a tier of three there with those top three? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a tier. I I don't know how I'd rank it. I, I'd have to think about that one. Mm. They're 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 all really good. Well, coming next week on the Hockey PDO cast, it's Dimitri Filipovich <laughs> and Jonathan Willis ranking the top thirty-one blue line groups. <laughs> <laughs> Colorado, not not looking good for you. Sorry. You know what? I I uh, I guess the blue line is pretty important because I think uh, this list would look very similar, fairly similar if we were ranking the top blue line groups. So uh, I think so. I think so. I guess Calgary would be a lot higher, but most of the other teams would be uh, down this list. Um, yeah. Okay. So Calgary, Buffalo. Um, do we need to start considering the New York Rangers at some point here? I was just going to say my my next two teams are, are Montreal and the Rangers. Mm. Um, both of those, you know, superstar goaltending driven teams. Uh, I like the balance of New York's roster a little bit better than I like Montreal's, but but I like Price's age a lot more than I like Lundquist's. Yeah, and I, I think New York was definitely helped by uh, by the fact that they were able to get Shattenkirk on that team friendly deal and bringing back Brendan Smith because all of a sudden now. Uh, that top four um, with McDonough and Shea obviously rounding it out looks good, and um, yeah, they that that, that step end trade was interesting because you don't normally see a team that is in the competitive state the Rangers are in now making a move like that where they get a first round pick and Anthony D'Angelo, who's an unproven wild card defenseman for uh, a good goalie and you know a, a, a top six center for sure and. At the same time, I, I, I do like this Rangers team and it seems like every year we go through this, uh, discussion of, oh man, they're in, you know, they're in financial hell. How are they going to make this work? And then every year they somehow find a way to, 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 to finagle their way around it and make it work. So, um, yeah, I think they're in a, in a decent spot here. I mean, I like a lot of their players, obviously, and it's just a matter of, I think if I was taking over this team, I would make sure that the coach plays the guys I want to play in the spots I want them to play in, because if their roster is optimized in terms of usage, uh, the ceiling is pretty high for them, actually. So Mark Stahl's on your first pairing, then? Oh, yeah, you gotta you got to have a shot blocker out there. I mean, they're really going <laughs> to miss the presence of one Dan Girardi, so you need to, you need to, make, you need to account for that. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot of, especially like, I mean, up front, uh, Rick Nash is making 7.8 this season, but he's coming off the books. And then after that, because Benajad is their highest paid forward and he's making 5.35 per. Um, and that Zuccarello deal was a, is a steal. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's looking amazing. And, and I love Zibanejad. I, I didn't. I just thought we were getting into the riffing on the great deals in yeah, New York. Yeah, and you know they they have uh, JT Miller and Kevin Hayes coming up on RFA deals after this season, and they're going to have to make some decisions on guys like that. But for this coming season, they have uh, 
they have some really good deals and a bunch of very good players. And I think if Lundqvist, uh, proves that last year was a bit of a blip in the radar and maybe he's not at his peak performance anymore, which is reasonable considering the miles and the age. But if he can bounce back a little bit, all of a sudden this team looks, looks very good to make another, you know, very competitive run heading into next season. Yeah. I, I think, um, the, the one negative I'd say about New York, obviously I like them a bunch because I have them this high, but the one negative is you can make a case, depending on what Lundqvist looks like, that they don't win a cup in the next two years. And if they don't, they, yeah. yeah. So it's, 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 a, it's a difficult situation, but they're a very good team. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's that's definitely the risk you take on. But uh having the just having that chance and it's not even you know it's not even a, a, a lottery ticket it's a very legitimate chance i you you kind of have to take for take it now and then try to deal with uh deal with the consequences later um i think i think i have the rangers ahead of the canadians like i like tearing them like that back to back um but the canadians man it's i just it's it's gonna be so fascinating to see with them because for a while now, they've had the benefit of, you know, their two top players in, in Carey Price and, and uh, Max Pacioretty making well below market value and what they're actually worth. And, you know, after this season, that price contract's going to kick in. And after the following season, they're going to either have to pay Max Pacioretty or let him walk. And they're not going to have that luxury anymore. And it's going to be much tougher for them to fill out that rest of the roster without the benefit of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um they're 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 in a tough spot to me they kind of look a little bit like a team that went all in on shea weber this year and you know that like that that's the justification for the weber saban deal right which you knew we were going to talk about when we mentioned montreal mm. but they they do have kind of an older core like due respect to, to Drouin and, and galchenyuk and, and some of the other younger guys they have on the team there are a lot of well-paid older veterans on this club and i don't know that i mean because they have carry price i'm not saying they can't win the Stanley Cup, but it it's tough to make a case for them to come out of the East. And um, if they, if they don't, they could be in trouble going forward. Yeah, well, it's just a matter of that depth again, right? Where it's like the top is the top of the top end of the roster is great, and beyond that, it's a lot of question marks. And there's certain guys I like more than others, but it it's it's disappointing because um, they haven't optimized it, and and things they, they, they we could be shining a a much more positive light on them if a few different things had gone down. But unfortunately they've really saddled themselves with, with a handful of unfortunate contracts and that, you know, the, I guess it speaks to the star power of their team that we have them here, what 16th or 17th on this list, just based on the fact that there's not that much happening beyond those guys. So, um, all right, Jonathan, we still need to do our top 15, but before we do that, let's take a quick break to pay some bills. Buying tickets to sporting events and concerts can be complicated, but there's a better, simpler way to buy, and that's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With their seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, and all of it is fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. This is as good a time as any to give it a shot if you haven't already, seeing as hockey season is just around the corner. If you're someone like me who's living in Vancouver and going to watch Brendan Sutter and Eric Branson play live isn't enough to get you excited by itself, and I don't understand why I wouldn't, uh, maybe the fact that you can immediately get great seats up close for cheap is going to change your mind. And in fact, here's the kicker. 
My listeners get 20 bucks off their first SeatGeek purchase today. All you have to do to redeem that is just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code PDO, and you get your 20 bucks. It's that simple. That's promo code PDO for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And with that, let's get back to the show. All right, so let's uh, let's get into the meat of this thing here, where it's the top 15, um, and there's a lot of teams here I'm excited about and that I would... Uh, I would be very, very happy to take over because there's so many good pieces already in place and so much potential for, for even more intriguing moves, uh, in the, in the weeks, months and years to come. So it's, it's tough because it's, it's really jam packed here. Like I think that, uh, as much as we made it seem like it was, uh, nitpicking in the, in the picks leading up to this, uh, it's going to be much more so here and it's going to be a lot of personal preference. Um, how, how do you, how do you want to get into this? How do you see the next couple teams breaking down? Uh, I've got Winnipeg next. Is that anywhere close to what you have next? Because I completely agree that these guys are jam packed. See, I I did a you know potentially different thing than you did here in, in terms of ranking these top teams. Where then my next handful of teams are actually the ones that I think are going to be very good next season, um, but don't have as much flexibility moving forward and especially don't have as much youth uh it seems like those are two things that i really prioritized on this list which kind of might fly in the face of what we talked about earlier might be a bit counterintuitive considering we were bumping a team like the rangers up to 16th just because we think their their window for the next two seasons is 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 wide open but like i have i had like the dallas stars here for example where i Uh. i really like them this year and they're going to be really fun to watch but i think that they could also assuming that everything gels under ken hitchcock and they get a better bout of health than they had last year i think they could be one of the best teams in the western conference the thing is though is like i don't love much um on this team especially financially moving forward um it's a lot of question marks and it seems like a lot of the moves they made this year was jim and Ale kind of acknowledging last year was a disaster and he probably can't uh afford to have too many more seasons like that before he starts being on the hot seat or potentially being replaced so he's just going to go for it now with this team he has and i commend him for it because they definitely got better this season and they're going to be it's gonna be interesting to see how it all comes together but moving forward i'm not necessarily very high on them as, a, as an organization you know what i had dallas a couple spots higher but you're you're kind of selling me on it and and the reason you're selling me on it is because there's so many things that could go wrong within their current window. Right. Um, ben Bishop, to me, is a real gamble. Uh, their defensive core as a whole, you know, like John Klingberg's on a fantastic contract and should be good for a while. They've got some good young defensemen, both on the roster and in the system. But if you're looking at him as... And, and I think you have to when you look at the way the team is structured. I'm, I mean, Tyler Sagan's only 25, but but a lot of their players are older. If you're looking at them as a team that's going to do something in this immediate window, that blue line's not good enough. It doesn't have enough, and, and you know, due respect to Mark Mathot, but it, they didn't do enough in the offseason to upgrade it if that's what you're looking for. And understandably, they may not be. They may be looking, you know, playing the long game with their young defensemen, but... Uh, I guess they're a team that's kind of trying to have it both ways. Mm-hmm. And if, if things don't work out here, it could be very difficult for them. Yeah. Yeah. That was sort of my, my line of thinking. Like I'm, I'm, I'm high on them for sure. So I don't want to make it seem like me having them at 15th is, is an indictment on the summer they had or their prospects heading into next season. I just think that, uh, 
there's a lot there's a lot of question marks there and that's something that you know if you were taking over that team uh that kind of uncertainty would make me pause a little bit whereas some of these other teams we're about to discuss might be more set moving forward um i have the chicago blackhawks next yeah um i had so i mentioned winnipeg but the team right after winnipeg to me was chicago which i hate putting there but i i don't get i i don't see a way around it yeah yeah i had uh I had reservations about doing this because I actually started considering them a few spots before even and just out mm-hmm. of out of yeah. out of the respect uh to what they've done in the past handful of years and the caliber of their star players I gave them I bumped them up a few spots but I mean if you even wanted to argue that they should be like right there with uh with the Montreals and the, and the New Yorks of the world and New York Rangers of the world like I'd have no issue with that either because some of the contracts they have on the books right now are are cringeworthy to say the least. Yeah, and um that Jalmerson trade this summer that that bugged me. I yeah. I I just I look at the way they're structured and you and, and I really like the Brandon Sod mood for move for a bunch of reasons, mm-hmm. but I look at the way they're structured and I go how can you trade that guy right now? Because your best chance to win a Stanley Cup is this year. And it's going to be worse the year after that, worse the year after that. And at some point, it's going to just diminish into nothing. Um, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, both incredible players, both approaching 30, both on you know massive deals. Brent Seabrook, Duncan Keith, both into their 30s. And, and Seabrook already, I think we've seen the drop off. Mm-hmm. Um, Corey Crawford's in his early 30s. Like, at some point, this core just the the collective age related decline drags everything else down, and they've got so many cap problems, and I I just don't see how how they make it work long term. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I, I think uh, I think we're both giving them the benefit of the doubt having them this high on the list because uh, like yeah. if, you, if you just if you just looked at this collection of uh, price tags and 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 names just without any sort of context or recognition of what they've done in the past like i i I think you might be even lower on them so it's um it's gonna be fascinating to see like you know there was this i forget someone had this comment uh the other day where it was the blackhawks are viewing this season as as uh a stanley cup or bust and it's i understand why based on uh based on what their expectations have been in years past, but with this current roster, like it's, it's tough to make the case that, I mean, they, they might be like the fourth or fifth best team in their own division. Uh, so. Yeah. You, I, I think, I think they should be looking at this year's Stanley cover bust, but you don't trade Nicholas Jalmerson for Connor Murphy. If you're thinking Stanley cover bust. Oh, well, I don't know what you're thinking. Right? If you're trading Nicholas Jalmerson for Connor Murphy, <laughs> it's probably, you're probably, I think that's probably the problem. You're probably not thinking. Well, I, I really, I, we, we I mentioned this with with Dallas, you know, kind of trying to have your cake and eat it too. It it really kind of felt like you know Stan Bowman was looking at it and going, "How do I prolong the life cycle of this team? Where can I bring in youth and, and ship out age without too much of a decline?" And uh, I, I think that was too much of a decline. But you know, hmm. Bowman's done a done a good job over the years, so we'll, so we'll see. Yeah, well, they do have my 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 guy John Francois Barube under contract, so that bumped them up a few spots on my list. The man, the myth, the legend. Yes, uh, the pod, the PDO cast friend. He might be co-hosting the PDO cast with me at some point. Uh, at this rate, um, uh, see, I would listen to that. <laughs> um, okay, so we have the stars and the Blackhawks. Um, so I have like, see, I don't even have the Winnipeg Jets yet. Here, I think you're. I think you're a bit low on the Jets. I, 
I might be a bit low on the Jets. Let's let's wait till we get to them on your list. I'm I'm guessing you've got Minnesota somewhere in this range, though. So I had I have uh, Minnesota, St. Louis, and Columbus in this next three. Wow, you are high on the Jets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had the Jets. I had the Jets and the Flyers uh, in that like 11, 10, in 10, 10, 9 spot. Well, okay, I, I I'm with you on Minnesota. Hmm. Um, I the and mostly because I look at those those twin Parise suitor deals, and and they're 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 another one of these teams that's kind of neither nor. They've got the you know like a lot of good young players. Um, but they've also got these these older contracts, and I, I think you can make a case for them as a, a contender this year if you know everything broke right. But I, I just, uh, to me, they're one of those teams that maybe is good but is never great, and and that's that's the concern for me with the Wild. Yeah, no, that's that's completely fair. Um, they do have a lot of really really good players, and yes, like it's conceivable. <sighs> Listen, they haven't done it yet, and we've been down this road a couple times now, and it's led to disappointment. And I understand the uh, natural human reaction is to sort of learn from those mistakes and kind of uh, emotionally brace yourself or change your thinking. But at the same time, I look at this roster, and I, I see no reason why they can't make a, a long run this year and, and be considered one of the preeminent Stanley Cup contenders. I mean, they have so many good players, and they're very deep, and very, very, there are very few holes in this roster, which I really like, because a lot of these other teams we've mentioned already, they have the stars, but the problem is is that they, especially come postseason, they get exposed because they have so many holes in their roster that can be exploited with matchups and when teams are preparing more closely for them. And with this team, uh, there's just so much depth, and they've also done a really good job of drafting in recent years, even though they haven't had really high picks. So they've been replenishing the system as well. And I, 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 I like them. I like the coaching. I like I like the uh, I like everything that's in place right now. Obviously, we need to see it first before we have more faith in it. But I I'm 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 very comfortable with where we have them in this ranking list. I think somewhere here in that in that thirteen ish range is, seems about right for them. I agree with with everything you said about the Wild. I really like them for all the reasons you laid out. But I feel like I should hit the the thing that really knocks them down for me. Um, beyond what I've already said, just because apparently I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who hates on the wild today. Uh, the thing I don't like about the wild is if you're a big believer that elite talent wins you championships, you know, the, the Sidney Crosby's, the, the Patrick Keynes, who is that guy in Minnesota? Hmm. And I don't know that they have one, right? Like, yeah, it's definitely a more of a committee approach than it is, uh, someone telling them to just hop on their back and they're going to carry them through a series. That's for sure. Yeah, and I'm I'm not a guy who's like dogmatic on this point. I think you can win a Stanley Cup in in a lot of different ways, and you know Eric Stahl won with it with a team that was a by committee team in Carolina. Um, but I, but I look at the team, and that's my concern is is when you know the 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 game is on the line in this mm-hmm. critical situation, and the other team sends out Connor McDavid or you know Hampus Lindholm or Ryan Getzlaff or or PK Saban. I don't think Minnesota has the horses at the very, very top end to match that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so, I, uh, what do you think about St. Louis? You had them, you had them higher on the list. I had St. Louis quite a bit higher on the list, actually. Hmm. Uh, St. Louis is inside my top ten, and Columbus is right on the border. I, I, I cannot get Winnipeg past either of those two teams. But, but let's 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 save Winnipeg for where you got him and, and talk about the the Blues and okay. the, the Blue Jackets. Well, I, okay. So let, let let me do my blue spiel here. Okay. 
Um, they have a they have a lot of good contracts here, right? Like the yes. getting getting Pareko for five and a half million long term, great. Uh, Alex Petrangelo under contract pretty much through his entire prime for six point five, awesome. Uh, they have Tarasenko locked up long term. They have Schwartz locked up long term. I love that. Um, I don't love. I don't love how they've approached uh, the other stuff on the peripheries, though. Like, I, I, I'd be much more fond of this team and their outlook moving forward if they hadn't sort of felt this need to compulsively just lock down like a guy like Patrick Berglund for what was it, four or five years at three point eight five? Like, it's it just stuff like that 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 kind of bugs me and and makes me feel like they're sort of just spinning their wheels a little bit here and that's ultimately why i had them at this point like listen i had them 14th or 13th i should say so in minnesota 12 so i mean i'm not crazy down on them i just it just doesn't really excite me as as a collective i don't think i agree but uh, I'll, I'll give you i'll give you my counter spiel hmm. so in, in this scenario it's it's you or me taking over the team right so i look at the blues and i and i think about what i could do with with this roster so you've got Vladimir Tarasenko at the top end, who is, I, I mean, he's tremendous. Um, you combine that with Pareko and Petrangelo, both on very reasonable contracts on the back end. And that, to me, is a big three that you can build around. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I don't like a lot of the supporting cast. I, I didn't like the Braden Shen trade this summer. Um, I don't like Patrick Berglund's contract, particularly. I'm nervous about Vladimir Sabotka um, signing Chris Thorburn to two years I, I don't understand. There, there are times, there are lots of times that I look at GMs and I can kind of get behind what they're thinking and, and I can, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt and maybe they know something I don't, but come on. Chris mm-hmm. Thorburn's 34 and he's getting a two-year deal in the league. I don't care what the money is. Are you crazy? Like, how how is this guy getting a contract when you look at some of the players still in free agency? That blows my mind. But the caveat to all this is it doesn't really matter. Right. You can dump Thorburn in the minors and it's irrelevant. You can probably trade Patrick Berglund because, well, I mean, he's got a no-move clause, so maybe not. But but teams are teams are crazy about big centers. You can usually do something about those stuff. And and there aren't any really albatross deals on the roster. Like the closest thing is probably Jay Bomeister's two-year deal, which you can you can probably get out of if you have to. Right. Um, and because so they've got the great top-end talent. They've got some useful depth pieces. They've got some stuff in the system. And they don't have any major liabilities. I think this is a team that somebody with ambition and a vision could do a lot with over the next three or four years and and have them be a, a continual contender basically out of the gate and, and just be a very exciting, very interesting team. They aren't that now, but if you have the, the right kind of vision at the top, I, I think they could be. All that's fair. Um, and maybe I, I didn't give enough weight to the fact that, uh, you know, if myself or someone i felt really confident was taking over this team with that vision that they could make a lot out of this i just i I guess i was looking at this current roster as constructed right now and i'm not i don't want to say like i'm underwhelmed or just unimpressed by it because i mean listen this team made the conference final two years ago and uh is obviously has a lot of talent it just i I had a tough time putting them inside my top 10 because there were a bunch of teams that I was just more excited about, I guess, in terms of the pieces they have in place. Yeah, that, that's that's fair. I just, I, I guess, to me, I just look at those those cornerstone pieces and I, I don't see any reason you can't build build around them. I, I completely agree that they've got a bunch of guys who are just kind of meh um, filling out the roster, though. Okay, well, let's talk about the, let's talk about the Jets then. 
uh, we've put it off long enough here. Um, man, I didn't, I didn't realize that they, uh, they gave Brian Little this, this contract. Well, uh, yes, because this is, this is the problem with doing the, with, with the cursed show, right? Mm. If we'd done this two weeks ago, we'd, we'd be talking about a different Jets team than we are now. Yes, that is true. Although I still, I mean, if if you're talking about, uh, you know, stars and and potential and those cornerstone pieces, I mean, man, this team is 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 loaded with them. And obviously, like if we had this discussion before the summer, before they paid Dmitry Kulikov and and gave Brian Little, who's about to turn thirty years old, this long term extension, I would have been more excited about their flexibility and their outlook. But still, I mean, when you're starting off with guys like Shifley and Wheeler and Line A and Ehlers up front. Um, and then you still have, you know, Bufflin and Truba on the blue line and Morrissey, who's who seems to be ascending. Like, oh, this team, it's it's never been a matter. It's never been a question of, of that. It's most more so been sort of just can they make enough saves to put it all together and make any of it matter? And I guess we'll see this season. Um, but in terms of just inheriting a team and, and the talent in place, I, I'm – just i'm so tantalized by this jets team and maybe maybe that's uh just uh, a blind spot for me a little bit and maybe i'm too high on them but i just can't get past how uh how great the top of this roster could potentially be if everything comes together yeah well i'm <laughs> this is this is not i'm i'm not down on winnipeg i think they're uh i think they're, they're 12th on my mm-hmm. list um but I, I look at this team like how could you not be excited about getting lane and Ailers and and Shifley? like of course you would be, and and Wheeler and Little. I, I mean, as much as we may not love that little contract, <laughs> the not so little contract, I guess. Yes. Um, both of those guys are are very good veterans in the here and now. So is a guy like Matthew Perot, who mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm I'm a fan. I know I know you're a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, my problem with Winnipeg, to a large degree, is the blue line. I like Jacob Truba, um, I, I, but I'm I'm not. I don't hate Kulik. I think you and I have talked about Kulikov's deal before. I don't hate it quite as much as you do, but it's not good. Mm. I'm, I'm not a big Tyler Myers guy. Uh, Toby Enstrom, I love Toby Enstrom, but uh, at this point in his career, right? And 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 Dustin Bufflin's contract is it's dangerous. Like it, I understand why it's there. I'm not saying I would have done anything different. Like I, I probably would have signed him to that that same deal given given the choices Winnipeg faced, but. But it is dangerous. And so I look at that back end, and I don't think it comes close to matching the abundance of riches they have up front. And you combine that with kind of uncertain goaltending, and I, I'm lukewarm on the team. I, I really like a lot of their young guys, but I, I don't know that they're a contender this year. And I also feel like they're one of those teams that just hasn't... We've we've been talking about them. I think the hockey news had a cover two or three years ago about them as the 2021 Stanley Cup champions or something <laughs> ridiculous because of their abundance of young talent. But right. they're one of those teams that has to take the next step and has yet to do so. Yes, yeah, we definitely need to see that from them. Kind of like uh, we just laid out with uh, with the Minnesota Wild, where I've definitely been burned by uh, by being too high on the Winnipeg Jets over the past few years. And I think if we go through a similar story again this season then maybe i'm really gonna have to readjust but i guess i'm still uh the the optimist in me is holding out hope that it's gonna come together because that collection of talent is just so exciting and and maybe it is one of those things where you know i'm putting too much stock into the individual names and and not uh focusing enough on the collective or everything that's going on in the periphery so it's, it's kind of the opposite of what's going on in minnesota well let, let me let me let me just say this they've got 
Um, you look at the, the four names. They'll give you four names. Kulikov, Myers, Enstrom, and Bufflin. Mm-hmm. Those guys combined have something like $23, $24 million in cap hit. Right. Even if you believe in Bufflin right now, which I, I do. He's, you know, he's 32. He may, might be a player who doesn't age well. If you've got a third of your... And, and with the acknowledgement that Enstrom's coming off the books, but none of the other guys ha- are, are next year. That's a, that's a lot of money to be tied up in a pretty pedestrian group of defensemen. Yep. Yeah, def- that definitely seems like it's a blind spot for Kevin Sheveldayoff, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I point well taken. Um, Columbus, where do where'd you, where'd you have the Blue Jackets? I have... Okay, I'm... I'm going to get in trouble for this because I have them ahead of two teams that I absolutely love, but I've got Columbus in 10th. Well, that's fair. I have, I have Columbus in 10th as well. Well, and I, I had Columbus uh, in 11th, I should say, and I had Winnipeg 10th. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, um, why, why, why are you going to get in trouble? Well, because the, the two teams I have behind them I'm, I'm going to get in trouble for. Uh, but we'll we'll get to those teams. I, I guess, mean, we we, we all them. know you're irrationally excited about the Blue Jackets. I I remember <laughs> I, everyone remembers the fateful yes. day when you when, when you had them number one in our uh, in our PDO our cast power rankings. rankings. Yes, yeah. yes, an embarrassment that will will live in infamy. It's gonna say that on your tombstone one day, Jonathan. I hope you know that. <laughs> Did you know in mid 2016, <laughs> this man? Yes, um, yeah, I, I like Columbus, and I like and and you know what? I I would not have had Columbus. Like, it's a testament to the year Columbus has had, right? Like, Columbus had a, a phenomenal year, did a lot of things that were controversial, and that really worked out for them. I think they've got a nice mix of talent that can... That, that to me, is maybe the difference between Columbus and Winnipeg. Um, not that Columbus has the same collection of good young players that Winnipeg does, but their collection of good young players is really solid. And they're also good right now. So if, if you're looking at, at the window for Columbus, it's open... Basically now, and I don't know when it closes, and and that to me is is my argument for them at ten. Yeah, well, I, I guess the argument, the, not an argument, but maybe just the the point worth raising about Columbus is what is their current ceiling for right now? Because I do yeah. agree that you know they with the collection of talent they have uh, and the ages of those guys, like there's no reason to believe that there's going to be this steep decline after a year or two. I'm just curious, like we saw the peak last year, but we also saw what happened when things went bad and they got smoked by the penguins in the playoffs. And obviously that's not nothing to be ashamed of uh, they've done it to a lot of teams the past two years, but I'm just curious, like what, 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 what's your outlook for this blue jackets team? Uh, kind of forecasting this coming season in terms of the, the both the NHL's hierarchy and also in the Metro division. Yeah, that's, um, I, I guess what I'd say is I'm, I, I'm not sure how to weight the regular season versus the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. Like they did have 50 wins in the Met, right? Yep. They were neck and neck with Pittsburgh all year. Pittsburgh won a cup. So, you know, if, if Columbus is the regular season um, on par with Pittsburgh, which, which they were, are they really that far from being being true contenders? Uh, I do have kind of the same issue with Columbus that I have with their expansion cousin Minnesota, mm-hmm. where I just don't know if the top end guys are top end enough. I, I feel like that might have been part of the reason they brought in Panarin was this idea that they they needed a real skill driver at the top of the roster. Uh, they're just a they're just a very well built team at all positions, incredibly deep. But I don't know if that lack of top end costs them in the playoffs, and it, it very well might be what 
makes the difference. Yeah, they sort of are Minnesota East, hey? Like, mm-hmm. especially, you know, you like their blue line a lot and the contracts they have, and there's plenty of depth, and a lot of these guys are on the, on the you know, on the right age of their peak, but there are those questions about whether they're going to have what it takes to um, put it all together and unseat some of these top teams in their conferences. So I'm fascinated to see it. Like, they were obviously a very pleasant surprise last year and very fun to watch, and I think while you know Brendan Saad is a better player and a better asset I think in the grand scheme of things in Panarin uh his skill and ability to uh make those wild plays will only help make them more aesthetically pleasing to watch so I'm kind of I'm fascinated to see how they're going to look next season and how how it's going to work in another season with John Tortorella because we've also seen that uh things can sometimes go sour with those relationships after a while with him so I'm I'm curious to see whether it's going to be as smooth sailing as it was last season as well yeah, Tortorella is a pretty interesting coach. I, I have a certain affection for the, the safe as death Tortorella that we saw in, in Tampa Bay and to some degree last year in Columbus. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting if, if to see if he can can keep it together over the long haul because that's that's the thing with Columbus is last year was great. Now they have to do it again. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Um, okay, so I had the Flyers at ninth. Yes, um, and I, I have I have Philadelphia at twelve, which doesn't. 12 to 9 doesn't sound that ridiculous when, when I put it that way. But I, I love the Flyers. I love so many things about the Flyers, and it just kills me to have them this low on my list. Yes. So this question was raised in a, in a mailbag episode I did with Andrew Berkshire a handful of weeks ago, and I think it's a good topic of discussion here for us because uh, one of the listeners basically raised this question of what to make of the fact that, um, you know, it seems like there's this... this uh, kind of disparity in terms of how the Flyers are built where they have this young up-and-coming blue line with a bunch of guys they've drafted and groomed that are going to be on their way in the next few years but they also have all these uh, expensive forwards right now that are either in their late 20s or already into their 30s and they're making a ton of money and it's like are those guys still going to be at the peak of their games by the time the blue line of this team is ready for it all to kind of come together at the same time and open that window wide open for them? And I think that is a very legitimate question because it does seem like the timelines of those two groups are a bit off. It absolutely does. And um, I, I feel like that's the the transition they made when they, they brought Ron Hextall in was they went from being a today team to being a team with sort of the longer mindset and um, the desire to kind of shed some of the bad contracts and and kind of re- almost rebuild on the fly. Like that's almost what Hextall's done in terms of, of shipping out contracts and restocking the prospect covered. But the result of a rebuild on the fly is that you end up with with two different core groups of, of very different ages. And then it becomes a question of how you reconcile that. How do you win with, you know, Claude Giroux and... Uh, uh, Ivan Provorov, both as you know, key pieces in your in your enterprise, and, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe you can't, but but I think what Hextall has in his favor is he's shown an ability to to deal with these these big long term contracts, and I and I have a level of faith that you know three years from now, if Giroux or Voracek is a problem, he can find a way out of it. Right. Yeah, I completely agree, and and you know they've done a. a admirable job here of accumulating assets because even though um you know we have concerns about what Giroux, Voracek, Simmons are going to look like two three years from now um you know they obviously lucked out by getting Nolan Patrick in this year's draft and 
they did well to trade up and get Travis Konechny and you know Sean Couturier will still be in his prime in a few years and so they do have this next wave it's not like it's completely barren but uh I do think that uh it's a, that's a legitimate concern about those two groups and whether it's going to mesh at, at the right time um but they're uh you know Ron Hextall's done a remarkable job because a few years ago they seemed like they had one of the most bleak outlooks in the league and now we you, know, you had them 12 I have them nine and we're both very high on them as a, as a group yeah, and, and maybe that's just a a good lesson too in in terms of the the potential for because um, we're looking at these these rosters and and some of the teams further down the list things look pretty bad but if you get somebody in who, who knows what they're doing teams can move quickly Philadelphia not that long ago I mean Detroit's in a much worse position than than Philadelphia is was even but. Uh, somebody who's willing to to play the salary cap and play the long game can can do a lot and and maybe that's that goes to ownership too is having ownership bring in a gm and tell them look we're we're with you we understand this is a process and uh we're, we're convinced you're the guy for the job and and that maybe gave him the freedom that he he might not have had in another city yeah yeah um okay so we have the top eight here and man i'm scared to even get started with this group because uh it's it's so tough to uh, weigh all the factors here, right? Because you have a handful of teams left that we haven't discussed that uh, are considered to be you know preeminent cup contenders heading into next season. But I'm not that high on their outlook uh, a couple years from now. But obviously, as we've discussed with certain teams, uh, we do need to weigh the you know current relevance very highly because a lot can change a few years from now. And then you have these teams that have gone through this rebuilding phase and finally have the young stars and may not have, may not have the, you know, have had the success of the other teams to this date. But, you know, at this time next season, we could be talking about how they were made a long uh, cup run. So it's, 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 it's really tough to weigh what to prioritize with these groups. Uh, yes and no. Uh, I, my top seven is very difficult, mm. but St. Louis was in my top eight, and there's a team we haven't talked about that was actually just outside my top ten. Who was that? I had Carolina 11th. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) See, I I love Carolina, but I feel like maybe I don't love them as much as Dimitri loves them. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. Just listen to what we just said about the Winnipeg Jets and play that Mm -hmm. back and just replace Carolina with everything. Obviously... (laughs) It's a different collection of talent, but it's sort of the similar thing where for I've been super high on them for a few years, and I'm just sort of doubling down at this point. Um, oh, I, I love I love the Canes. I, uh, that's an awesome team in so many ways. Um, if we're if we're if we're playing this game, did you uh, did you factor in ownership and budgetability to any degree when you were looking at these rosters, or did you just look at the roster? I did a little bit, but I tried to sort of make that more of a, you know, an outside factor that if there was, yeah. a, if there was a tie break, right, I didn't try to factor it very heavily because, you know, we don't know how, how things are going to change. And for all we know, if, if, if a team like the Hurricanes all of a sudden, you know, gets really good and starts winning a bunch of games, it becomes a juggernaut, maybe, uh, maybe that financial plan will cha- change. So it's, 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 it's tough. I didn't want to put too much stock into it, but you do have to consider it a little bit at the very least. But it's, 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 uh, Maybe the craziest thing about Carolina is that they have the roster they have at a projected cap hit, according to capfriendly.com, of $58 million, mm-hmm. which is insane. That They've got almost $20 million in cap space, and, and the, the collection of talent they have is, is ridiculous. 
Yeah, and they had a great summer, right? They they locked up mm-hmm. Pesci and Slater oh, yeah. long term. They bring in Scott Darling. They get Justin Williams, who's a, you know a perfect fit for them in that two year contract window, and they're uh, they're looking very good. Obviously, I'd like to see them finally um, take that next step and turn some of that potential into actual results. But it seems like this year they're as poised as ever to actually do so and accomplish that finally. Yeah, absolutely, and. You mentioned them, them kind of being Winnipeg. I'll tell you why I have a big gap between Carolina and Winnipeg. I, I think they're sort of the same in that they've got the the really big, like Carolina's got a, a great collection of talent on the blue line and the, the group up front is not quite as impressive. So they're kind of a, a fun house flipped image of Winnipeg. Right. But but I like, I like Carolina's young forwards better than I like Winnipeg's young defensemen. Um, and Carolina doesn't have anything resembling the kind of cap liabilities that Winnipeg does. That's true. Yep. Carolina, I don't know, is there a bad contract? Well, Cam Ward. I guess Cam Ward's one year, 3.3 million remaining cap hit is probably the worst deal on the roster, and that's that's stunning. Well, they are still playing Alex Semin 2.3 million per season for the next four seasons. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There, not, that's not ideal, but three, no. three million tied up if you if you count James Wisniewski in yep. buyout club too. That's yeah, fair. but listen, they've obviously handled this pretty meticulously and and you're right there's uh there's nothing really resembling an albatross here and and that type of flexibility would be uh really fun to take over because pretty much and with all the young assets they have as well um you know you could really get creative with this team and and and, and trying to push them over the top or you could sort of go with this more methodical approach and try to let it all happen organically and i'm gonna be uh, i'm gonna be very fascinated to watch them very closely this season because hopefully this is the year they finally finally put it all together yeah, it'd be it'd be great to transplant this team into a larger market because they're they're going to get overlooked and they're they're a lot of fun. They're a real really cool roster. Okay, so let's get into your top seven then. Um, so the bottom of my top seven is the Washington Capitals. Hmm. So uh, yes, I, I how it's it's really tough separating for me the Capitals uh, from the Penguins and the Ducks here. Uh, I I agree and I disagree. The the difference between Pittsburgh and Washington is don't say rings, don't say rings, <laughs> don't say it, don't don't, don't say cups. <laughs> this isn't this isn't yep. a message. This isn't a message board, Jonathan. Don't say it. <laughs> no, but you you do like. I, I, I guess I guess the way I look at it is it's not a it's not the old school you count the rings kid right. uh, thing it's it's just it's maybe it's a, a sense of of just humility in in that we don't know we we know a lot about the game and and we've made a lot of strides in the last decade on the analytics front and we have I feel like we're getting smarter all the time about the things we can pick up on but there are things that we don't necessarily quantify properly mm-hmm. um in in terms of and maybe maybe it's just the difference between having superstars at center versus on the wing or there, there's a zillion things that there, there's still stuff we don't know about the game right. and because pittsburgh's group its core group it, it's like with what we mentioned with chicago where you give them the benefit of the doubt because they've been so successful mm-hmm. pittsburgh's core group being successful in the playoffs and back-to-back years um and and back-to-back years previously I feel like there's a benefit of the doubt wiggle factor for them that doesn't exist with Washington. In Washington, it sort of works the other way. Right. Yeah. And I, this this is this is a uh, there's more under heaven and earth than is written in your books 
or, or whatever moment um, where there's just, I, I don't necessarily, but you know, you know what there's, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to seem mystical about this because I have concrete reasons for having Washington below Pittsburgh too, but, but to me, they aren't on the same tier. Well, and the, and the concrete reasons are that they had an absolutely dreadful summer. Um, like, That's a big part of it. Like yeah. the, the TJ Oshie contract, um, you know, having like not having the ability to to forecast what was going to happen and all of a sudden like if you're taking over this team um viewing looking at andre barakovsky now with his bridge contract is much less appealing because they had a potential here to lock him up long term and instead they had to settle for this deal when two years from now you're gonna have to pay him much more than you could have otherwise this summer and you know it's, it's just stuff like that where they really depleted their depth and while the top end is still great and they're still going to be one of the best teams in the league next season uh it they just really had a, a very unfortunate and very disappointing summer if you're a fan of the team and it's um uh, i think that's definitely i agree they're they're below the penguins here i just sort of lumped them together because they were sort of in that similar vein of of they're going to be really good right now and that window might be open for a few years but uh beyond that it might be it might be pretty tough well here's here's uh you're absolutely right about the summer and um, here's a, here's kind of an interesting, well, hopefully interesting way to look at it. Who's the most like if in terms of winning Stanley Cup this year? Hmm. Who's the most important player on Washington's roster? Uh, Nicholas Backstrom. Yeah, yeah, right. I, because I, I think I, even I, if Holtby got injured, as great as he is, like it's conceivable that a Philip Grubauer could step in and be. 80% of 90% of them. Whereas if Baxter went out, I just don't see how they'd fill that gap. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel similarly. And, but I think it, it, to me, it came down to Baxter versus Holtby when I thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Ovechkin isn't in the top two in that conversation. Right. Is a, is a big problem because I don't think that Nicholas Backstrom, I, I, and I love Nicholas Backstrom, but I don't think he's a Jenny Malkin mm. and he's really not Sidney Crosby. And, and so my, my predilection for choosing, you know, the guys with the really elite talent at the top end, Washington had that when Backstrom and Ovechkin were really in their primes. You can still make a case for Backstrom. I feel like after the year Ovechkin had, he's, he's, a more spe- he's still a very, very impactful player in the, in the windows where he, he has that impact, particularly as a shooter on the power play, but, but in other things too. But I don't feel like he is the player he was and... Um, I, I knock the Capitals for that reason because I, I don't know that they have the top end anymore. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we're talking about them as the seventh team, though, so it's still oh yeah, it's still pretty good. I know it's, it's I know still after, very good. This is this, all relative. Yes, after this summer, it's very easy to be doom and gloom and lose perspective of that. But uh, they're still should be considered one of the cup favorites this season. So, um, yes. so do you have the pe- okay? So if we're talking in terms of uh, you know teams that are contenders right now that we haven't haven't mentioned yet that sort of have maybe older core groups um like the ducks versus the penguins um how do you how how do we approach that discussion um i i don't know i i think if i were going to look at it like anaheim obviously has money committed to older players and mm. you know the kessler perry gets laugh top end is is old right but maybe the difference between the, the Ducks and the Penguins is that I can see the next wave in Anaheim. Like I can see five years from now, an Anaheim contender being built, you know, around uh, Hampus Lindholm led blue 
line. Right. Um, I, don't, I don't necessarily see that same potential in Pittsburgh. I, I think Anaheim, I, I actually have Pittsburgh ahead of Anaheim, so I'm arguing against my point because <laughs> I think Pittsburgh has a, a much better chance, well, maybe a better chance anyway of winning the Cup this year. But um, Anaheim, to me, I, I don't know that they're necessarily doomed when their current core like assuming they can manage the cap scenarios and and they might be able to given the the term on those deals i i think anaheim has a chance to defy the the sort of cyclical nature of the nhl in a way that pittsburgh does not yeah the blue they're definitely set up on that blue line even after i think that they made a mistake with the how they handled the cam fowler situation because i think that you know getting out while they could have and, and selling high on him as a, as a trade asset would have been better than paying him $6.5 million long-term and instead focusing on Lynn Hole, Manson, and even Vatnin as your, as your core defensive group. I would have preferred that, but I mean, even with that move, um, their blue line is obviously absolutely loaded for years to come, even after losing uh, Shea Theodore, because they have a guy like Brandon Montour now coming up who looks totally legit. And, yeah, it's concerning that, especially Perry, uh, I know that he had a lot of uh, unfortunate shooting luck last year, and it's very conceivable he could bounce back in that, that department this coming season, but it's pretty clear he's also on the downswing. Um, so having, like, what, what, what do they have, like $20 million uh, in Perry, Getzlaff, and Kessler, and they're all 32 years old or older? Like, that's pretty tough moving forward, but at the same time... Uh, they do have that they like when we discuss with dallas where they're trying to have their cake and eat it too um it seems like anaheim is much more well suited to actually accomplish that task yeah 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 because and and maybe the difference there is that maybe, maybe the difference it comes down to hampus lindholm being 23 mm-hmm. because he's not a like he is a young defenseman who could absolutely be the future of the team for the next decade but he's also he's not growing into the role. He is that guy right now too. Yep. And uh, he, he's in a much better position to support, you know, a Corey gets laugh led group than somebody like Essa Lindell is in Dallas. Did you just combine them and call him Corey gets Did I do that? I think you did. I, I might've, I, it's I like one of those celebrity couples. I've had either too much coffee or not enough coffee this mm. morning. So I, I probably did combine them. Corey gets left. Quite Corey a player. Corey gets left. Yeah. Ryan Perry. Uh, great guys. Yes. Um, okay, so I think we, we did our due diligence here on the Ducks. Uh, the Penguins, we, we we touched on them a little bit. I mean, I, I feel like there isn't anything uh, crazy insightful that we're going to say about them at this point. Like, it seems like uh, it's pretty obvious where they're at, and their future outlook might not look that great, but... Hey, right now they have Crosby and Malkin, so I think they're going to enjoy these times while they still can. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if I have them second on my list because they could win. I don't know. How how long is their window open for? Four, five years? Is that too aggressive? I'd say at least. I'd say I'd feel comfortable saying three. I think you could push it to a fourth after that. Um It'll get dicey, especially if they, especially if they're leaning on them as heavily as they are right now. Yeah, and and injury is is obviously an X factor there because, well, I don't need to even really go into it. It, mm. it just obviously is. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, so I have the Oilers next. Um, how high on them were you? This is where I'm going to get in trouble again. Um, I feel like I'm just doing this. I have Edmonton number one. 
Oh, Jonathan, Jonathan, no, don't. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Um, because Edmonton has Connor McDavid and nobody else does. Yeah, that is, that's fair. Do you, do you want to get into Edmonton now or do you want to yeah, hold off and, and wait? Let's do Edmonton now. Okay. Okay, so I guess I, I should probably make the case for why I have them where I have them. Mm-hmm. And I say this as somebody who is a little bit down on some of the recent work that Edmonton has done. I would be more, well, there's no need to get into that. They do have some cap liabilities, notably. I, I think Milan Lucic is going to have a bounce back year. I, I think last year was, when I went and looked at it, at players his age and the years they had, when they had down years like that, they tended to rebound. Mm-hmm. I, I think Lucic will. He's a much better player at five on five than we saw last year, and that's going to make a big difference. But he's also signed to a forever contract, and three, four years from now, that could be just a just a miserable albatross. Um, I don't like I don't like the Chris Russell deal. Um, there are other deals I don't like, but what I do love is the core. Um, I love Connor McDavid. He's a tremendous player. That the value of Connor McDavid to this raw to to any roster in the league is is impossible to overestimate. I think um, I, I like Leon Drysaitel a lot. I thought they overpaid him by you know seven hundred fifty to a million bucks a year. I thought that was a foolish thing to do, but he's he's a he's a good player at the very least. Um, I, I like Nugent Hopkins. I'm more bullish on him than a lot of people are. And and I look at the blue line. They've got a good collection of young defensemen. I'm not comfortable with the, the Taylor Hall price on Adam Larson still, but he is a, a good right-shot defenseman in the prime of his career, signed for four years at a cap-friendly deal. Oscar Clefbaum is signed for six years at a cap-friendly deal. He's right in the heart of his career. There are just so many good pieces. Um, the window for Edmonton is open now and probably doesn't close until is is 30, 30, 32, 33 if they do it right. So you, you if you're in charge in Edmonton now, you're looking at a, at a fantastic decade and the ability to win tomorrow, which very, very few teams on this list have. Yeah, man, don't don't make me uh, argue against uh, anything related to <laughs> Connor McDavid at this point. I don't want to. That's not a side I want to be on. Um, <laughs> listen, I had them top five here, uh, so I had them fourth actually. So I mean, I'm I'm high on the Oilers. I think uh, I just well, think how, I, how can you not be? But but you obviously have guys. Have teams ahead of them. Well, I just like so I had the Predators, the Leafs, and mm-hmm. the Lightning ahead of them, and I just I none of those teams have Connor McDavid, obviously. Um, yeah, I just like I think I think those teams have um, not 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 comparable because no at, at this point no one's comparable to Connor McDavid, and people are going to get in trouble trying to make comparisons over the next decade to him. But they have sort of. Good enough high end talent while also having, uh, you know, being better suited in the depth department in my, in my estimation right now. Like, you know. Oh, I, I agree entirely. So, I, I so, agree entirely. So I, I think that's where I gave them a slight advantage because I don't think they're necessarily sacrificing that much on the top end while being better suited around those stars. But I mean, listen, you make good points. And I think especially on, on the blue line, having, Having Clefbaum and Larson um, for for all the trouble uh, people give Larson and, and the price they paid for him, as you alluded to, uh, having those two guys uh, combined, locked up through their pretty much their respective primes for just over eight million combined is huge. It's a massive luxury for the for this team, and that's, that's that sets them up nicely um, up front. 
uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Like if they wind up having to trade Nugent Hopkins for fifty to seventy five cents on a dollar just to get rid of that contract, I'm gonna be sad about that because because um, it'll be a blown opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And that and 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 I think that's sort of the reservation I have with this team. Like I was so excited about. Uh, the situation last year, and I thought that they didn't push hard enough for it while they still had Dreisaitl and McDavid for for this cheap, and I guess they still have one more year before McDavid's contract kicks in, but that that, that room for error is shrinking, and yep. uh, I'd like to see them maximize it a bit more. Yeah, there's absolutely no question. Um, I, I feel a little bit like this is kind of the conversation we had about St. Louis, mm-hmm. um, Just to, and, and that just comes down to kind of a difference in ranking methodology to me. Right. Like, because I, I have a lot of the same reservations you have about the sort of supporting cast in Edmonton, particularly on the blue line. Um, behind, Clefbaum and Larson are amazing, and they cover for a lot of sins, just just in terms of, of where they are in their careers and their cap hits and all that. But um, the rest of that blue line, <sighs> there, there are some problems. Um, I, I, I guess I just look at it as being things that you can fix. Um, maybe... It's going to be more difficult now because they are locked in on Russell. I, I thought they had a great opportunity last year, but um, but but I think you can fix the supporting cast, and there's just no replacing you know McDavid at yep. the top end and Zachary Clefbaum on the or uh, Clefbaum Larson on the back end. Yep, no, I'm with you there. Um, so yeah, I had I had I had the Predators number one on my list um, because I just other than Pekarene deal. Um, like they're they're caught their their books are just so clean. It's like um mm-hmm. yeah. it's kinda like what we talked about with the hurricanes, except to an even more impressive degree because of where they're at as a franchise right now, where it's like I guess, you know, giving Ryan Johansson uh those that that full eight million for that term is a bit pricey. But like when you have all those other deals, when you have Philip Forsberg for six million, when you have when you get Victor Arvidsson to take four point two five and so on and so forth, then you have all those defensemen under four, like you can you can afford to give your stars a little bigger piece of the pie without having to fret over it too much. And and they're just so well set up in terms of the stars and the depth that I just I, I don't really see very many flaws with this team. Even if you know, like the, like the Nick Bonino contract this summer, not ideal. Obviously, he's twenty nine. Yeah. You're giving him a four year deal, but he's going to step in that lineup. He's going to help them right now, and they're good, once again going to be a massive cup contender. And I don't think I don't think two three years from now we're going to be pointing circling back to that Nick Benino deal, going, oh no, they just can't get around this albatross. It's going to complete. <laughs> it's going to do in the entire operation. No, I, I agree entirely. Um, you can quibble a little bit with with Payne Saban nine million. I know that wasn't their call. They brought the player in, right. and I'm you know, but but it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But you can get away with it because he's a elite right shot defenseman and right. those guys are and 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 Johansson I kind of compare it a little bit to Drysidle in that it's maybe you know a bit of an overpay in terms of average annual value but if you're going to bet on a young quality center that, that's not if, if you're going to overpay that's that's probably the place you should overpay right yeah it's it's fascinating how we uh again NHL teams do this a lot where it seems to be like sticking points uh for what are in the grand scheme of things peanuts for the actual players that are important and then all of a sudden you're just willing to give out a couple million dollars to a third fourth liner who ultimately doesn't move the needle and all so it's like you got to pick your battles where you where you need to yeah absolutely absolutely and I, you know i i am a fan of, of grinding guys down for every penny you can but grand scheme of things it's a it's a minor sin 
Yeah, I mean, how, the way I view it is they're paying Arvidsson and Johansson $12.25 million combined, which is a great value. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I uh, so I had, I had the Predators first, and then it was sort of a coin flip for me because, as I mentioned, I had the Oilers fourth, and then it was the Leafs and the Lightning. And um, I guess you could go you could go either way. I mean, do you, do you have a preference on either of those two teams? The Leafs or the Lightning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had Tampa Bay... I had Tampa Bay sixth on my mm, list. Okay. Because I like I had Pittsburgh, I, I think I said I had Pittsburgh second, Edmonton first, um, Nashville was third, and those those three teams in Anaheim and Toronto were the teams that I looked at as the, the five most desirable, and then Tampa Bay was just just a slight tier below that. Yep. Um, and partially that's because as good as Tampa, like Tampa Bay's top end is really good, Tampa Bay has a lot of good young players, but their young players aren't really that young anymore. And you're getting, they're already kind of in this very difficult cap situation where they're, they've been forced to make sacrifices. And, uh, you know, Steve Eiserman, I think, has done a tremendous job of navigating it for the most part, with some caveats about this summer. Yeah. But it, it doesn't get easier going forward. And, and, and to me, you know, if, if they, they haven't won yet, and it's not clear to me why they will win two years from now versus a year ago. Um, I, I guess, I guess, is what I'm getting at. I, I think they're a contender. I think they're very good. I think they've got a, a wide open window, but the cap situation's very difficult. A lot of their good deals are running out, and it's going to be very tough to keep the team together. And they they haven't won anything yet. Yeah, that is that's completely true. I mean, obviously, um, yeah, I, I I'd like to see them have a nice uh, run of health this season because obviously, <laughs> if this yeah. team is is uh, fully together and they have they're firing on all cylinders i think they're capable of great things as we saw a couple of years ago um so hopefully we won't be deprived of that again ne- this season but yeah there are there are definitely some some red flags moving forward um with the leafs uh like it's a great spot to be in sort of similar to what we just discussed with the oilers hopefully they're able to maximize that before they have to pay the price that some of these young guys are going to cost and so we're going to see how that's going to work out in the next couple of years but obviously for for right now they're just completely set um my my one quibble with toronto because i like i've got toronto fifth on my list mm-hmm. i guess i've got two quibbles and the first is that they've got some cap deals that i don't like uh but the second quibble with them is their blue line yeah. i'm not totally sold that they have like, and and I, I've got a little bit of skepticism about Clefbaum Larson as your top two guys. Not not a lot. I think they're probably there. I've got more skepticism about the Leafs. I don't think Zaitsev's that guy. Riley might be. It's it's you know you you can win without a really high end guy on the blue line, but I'm it, it is more difficult, and I'm not sure the Leafs have the the really high end cornerstone guy. Yeah, that's what's a bit disappointing about how they handled this summer, where I would have liked to see them kind of get super aggressive and try to be creative and bringing in an actual difference maker on the blue line as opposed to yeah. bringing in Patrick Marlowe and Ron Hainsey as your two guys that are going to eat up that money. So I think that that's definitely something we can quibble with. But obviously, I mean, we saw uh, what they were capable of last year as a team with all this all this youth and all this dynamic talent. And, and there's only reason to believe that they're going to be better and, and more well-suited to, to win more consistently next year and the years to come. So it's pretty exciting if you're a Leafs fan. Oh, for sure. Uh, you can do a lot with, you know, the, the Matthews, Nylander, Marner trio and, um, 
and and because this is kind of built on the ashes of an earlier rebuild, you still have a lot of really cool, still young kind of mid-career guys like Kadri and Van Riemsdyk, and and, and you got to figure out what you're doing with them because you probably can't keep them all long term. But um, yeah, so it's a really it's a really great situation to be in for Toronto, and uh, not not too much more to say on it. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, Jonathan, uh, do you want to plug anything before we get out of here? I know that you've uh in the few weeks since we chatted, you've had some pretty exciting career news as well. So why don't, you, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about that and what you're up to these days? Yeah, I guess we haven't talked about that, eh? Mm. Um, I, I started with The Athletic in Edmonton on September 5th, I guess, so two weeks ago. And all my Oilers stuff is going to be there from now on. It's a, it's a really cool opportunity. A lot of people will be familiar with it from, from the success they had in Toronto last year. And I'm just really happy to be, be part of the expansion. Uh, I'll still be doing um, odd pieces, uh, or not not odd pieces, but but regular NHL columns for for Sportsnet and and other outlets. But my my Edmonton stuff is is at the Athletic. And your just general thoughts will be available throughout the season on the Hockeypedia cast. Whenever Dimitri has me on the show, and <laughs> and we can and we can we can actually tape the show, I will be more than happy to pop in. I think the fact that we just did like a two hour show uh, makes up for the fact that it took a couple of weeks for to make it actually finally happen. It was worth the wait. Yeah, this was, uh, the, and and you know what? It was fun to go through this in a little bit of depth because I, I don't feel like we really shortchanged any teams. I, now, now we'll hear about the teams that we did. There's so. definitely going to be some fan bases that will take issue with with either us not giving them enough attention or uh, you know focusing on all the wrong things. But uh, yeah, I guess you can please everyone. No, no, you no, you cannot. All right, Jonathan. Well, uh, good luck preparing for the season here in the next couple of weeks, and uh, we'll definitely have you back on soon. Yeah, and hey, we're going to be able to talk you know, hockey and, and hockey games. And stuff. Very so exciting. Cool. I cannot yeah, wait for I, that. Me too. Okay. okay. Chat to you, buddy. Bye. The Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDO cast. Mm-hmm.